Welcome to The Open Door with Kelly and Kelly. Brought to you by Legendary Living Arts and Waking Way Productions. Join us each week for guest interviews and discussions on a variety of topics. We invite you to connect. Welcome to The Open Door with Kelly and Kelly. And we're actually doing both. We're doing a partial video cast and a podcast today. So mm. I think our topic we wanted to talk about was discipline and control. The difference, really, the difference. between di- discipline and control. And this goes mm. along with the last two mini podcasts. The Kelly Shorts one that I did, right? Talking mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, so. we, yeah, we had a bit of a conversation on this. And we touched upon it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, we keep touching upon it. In, As we in, very, about, in various ways yeah. throughout the last few podcasts, and well, because everything's all connected and it's all related, right? So, yeah, especially especially when it comes to the realities of self awareness, mm-hmm. being mindful, yeah, uh, being present. Um, and one of the things I was talking about in terms of understanding the difference between discipline and control. Mm-hmm is that a lot of people refuse to discipline themselves because they believe that that's control. Yeah, and they also view it as punishment. Yes. Like we were actually looking up the definitions yes. of discipline mm-hmm. and you can define discipline as a noun or a verb yep. actually. And I don't have it with me in front of me. I could probably look it up though. I could look it up. <laughs> He's going to look it up. I can He's going to look it up and then <laughs> We'll we'll do the definitions, but I really liked that the discipline as uh, defined as a verb meant that it's an action word, and it was more about training, being disciplined, and training. The controlled behavior resulting from training. Yeah, and I like that because as a former gymnast, mm-hmm. I trained, and that was discipline. You learn how to discipline yourself so that you can practice over and over again and get better at what you're doing. And that's what any kind of spirituality work, even if you want to call it spiritual work or inner work or... Well, a lot of, a lot of people <clears throat> don't like the whole concept of having to do work to be free. Yeah, a lot of people want something for nothing. They do. Oh, what was that? What, what band did that song... Money, money for, for nothing, nothing dire straits. Yeah, dire straits. Oh, money for nothing, you're chicken free. Play that yeah, one. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> it, it's true. People feel that freedom should just be freedom uh, according to how they want it. Mm. And when it comes yeah, to self awareness, freedom is actually about discipline. You cannot mm-hmm. be free from your fears or your anxieties, your programmings or your cultural conditioning, your familial, as in your family inherited mm-hmm. conditioning. And stuff like that without yeah. actually being disciplined enough to step back into observation and most people have yeah. got no idea that they can actually observe their mind or that mm-hmm. they can observe how their mind is working yeah. and that they could even look at that and stop their mind from acting in certain ways right because that that was when i was having a discussion with someone the other day about being able to stop that yep that people unless you get to that space and you have to actually work at it like it's it's hard because mm-hmm. when you get triggered, you really want to act out 
of what you've learned because yeah. you've learned how to be that way because yeah. either you've watched people be that way or you 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 think that if something happens that you have to be sad in that situation or you know um or angry and judgmental or angry and, and judgmental and, and then yeah. a lot of times people like I said in my last little podcast the people will do one of two things which is suppression so you don't want to feel what you're feeling which is and control. you push it down and yeah. shove it down and you try yeah. to control it so that you don't feel it but you're not feeling it or you project it. And I think people misunderstand projection where they don't want to feel it. So, like, let's say you trigger me and I just yell at you oh, and I'll blame yeah, you and yeah, I yeah, say yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I'm projecting it because I'm trying to get rid of it, but I'm not. I'm not actually getting rid of it because I'm just acting out of a, a learned behavior, yes. a pattern. So, until yes. you can actually go, hey, ooh, he, you triggered me and I feel angry, I need to like, stop myself and go, well, how yep. do I actually, you know, feel about it? That's where the discipline comes in because it's being disciplined to actually allow yourself to feel. Yep. And, and I to think, give yourself more space than just knee jerk reaction. Yeah. And a lot of people yeah. don't understand that they, that there are, that there is such a thing as triggers mm -hmm. and that triggers are just programmed learned responses. Mm. Yeah. And these learned responses are a type of training. And in order to yeah. change Initiation. initiations, yeah. yes. And, and <laughs> we order, have many of those. <laughs> right? Sometimes. In order to initiate ourselves into self-love and mm -hmm. discipline, we have to create that space for ourselves. So to counterbalance and create mm -hmm. a counter to the knee-jerk, instinctive, unconscious reactions mm -hmm. of fear, anger, and judgment, etc., we have to balance it out with something so that our nervous system has something to grab onto mm -hmm. so that it doesn't just immediately get swept aside by the intense emotional reactions of uh, judgment, fear, and anger. Mm -hmm. And that requires discipline. That, first of all, requires an iota, uh, you know, a mustard seed of faith, if you will. Mm -hmm of believing that you can actually change yourself, believing that there is something different. And everybody knows this. Everybody does actually grasp the concept that there can be something different, that there has to be something different. Mm -hmm. And then there are people who honestly can't. Mm -hmm. People can understand it. They can know that something can be different, but some people cannot actually grasp it or give themselves that little mustard seed of faith. And that's just the way it is sometimes. Right. But understanding that you actually have control we're conditioned to believe that we don't have control, that we're just animals mm -hmm. operating on instinct all the time, which is not true. Uh, we have developed faculties and developed senses and awarenesses as if you actually look at the animal kingdom, you become aware that animals in nature actually have uh, other senses and other ways of looking at things than then we just think, oh, they have eyeballs and they have oh, ears. Like the other day, my daughter and I, we were driving to school and we were pulled up at the light at St. Mary's in Dakota. And uh -huh. We can turn left. And this bunny, okay, talking about like just animal instincts or this bunny just like tried to go across like oh no way and then realized that it couldn't hop over the medium it was too high oh no and then hightailed it back the other way and we're watching this poor little thing and then it just like hopped to, and then i thought I, we were talking about that and natasha and i were like well where was it trying to go you know it's not like us where we get in the car and 
we're going somewhere. We know we've thought about yeah, our route yeah, we're yeah, going to yeah, take. Yeah. We've thought about where we're going because we have, you know, I was taking them to school. But where was that little guy going? Yeah. And why did he think he could get across? And then he couldn't. And then he had to go back. Right. And then he was going so fast. And and then we were like, well, where? And then we thought, well, now where did he go? Where did his instinct or his survival, like, where did it take him? I got next? stopped. I got to go somewhere. Because we don't know. Right. <laughs> and so I would, I found that sort of fascinating because animals just do, right? I mean, yes. they do have feelings. I mean, yep. because we know that. I mean, what was that movie on Netflix, My Octopus Teacher? Yep. Right? And if anybody hasn't watched that, it's so, so good, so touching. Go look it up. And it was great because this octopus just bonded with this person, and this mm. person bonded with the octopus, but we obviously they don't speak the, the same, same language. language at all. But the energy but, they shared and yeah, the, yeah, the space. Yeah, and it was yeah. amazing because it would lay on this person's chest and... Uh, you know what is that chameleon when it takes oh, the, oh it, it would the change shape that? I mean change color uh, change color change to color. match yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the dappled blue. color of the sun coming through the water on this guy's skin and it would kind of disappear onto his chest even though you could still see the eyeballs, eyeballs and I yeah. thought that was so fascinating mm-hmm. that that it would the, do the that and the, the intelligence thing, yeah. that's there so animals have this intelligence and sometimes I think Ah, see, I think <laughs> I'm thinking too much mm-hmm. that we think way too much and we don't, we don't use our higher mind for where, what are we doing? Where are we going? Where we think way too much. We're too much in our head. Well, and, and the, you know, the, the lower mind or the, the lower faculties of, of just mental analysis are actually very simple processes for, for the human mind. The human mind is designed to analyze and categorize information but it's not the authority on that information except we give a lot of authority mm. to our thoughts and the reactive thoughts that we have the rationary mm. emotional thoughts and the false attachment mm-hmm. to that information as if that's who we are and we don't give ourselves space to step back and observe and that's where the discipline comes in, right? Because right. that's it, it requires actually taking a moment. It does, yeah. And a lot of times people's minds are just going, 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 going. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that such a space actually exists. Mm-hmm. People are so caught up in the the loop of looking for the next thought, of needing the next thought mm-hmm. to keep their ego uh, appeased to keep their ego mm-hmm. validated to feel like they're doing something productive. <laughs> I raised my hand there because he knows that about me for sure. That that's sometimes where when I especially if I'm processing things yep. and I know that I I cannot act in the old way of doing something. I'll I'll start baking or cooking <laughs> to keep myself physically occupied. busy, yep. unoccupied, yep. so that I'm not emotionally acting out of because even today when i received an email my first instinct was to i i should take care of this i need to take care of this and so maybe i guess i could go out today and do that and then i went i don't have to take care of this today i have time to look into it it's it's not imperative this was someone else's demand i didn't need to but i was surprised actually at how quickly my brain wanted to go back to that old space and go, oh, you should take care of this like right now. But I wasn't in a frantic 
like I used to kind of get frantic where mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I need to. So I didn't feel the franticness, but I was surprised that that little hamster on that oh, wheel how, was how like, quick, how quickly your mind oh, jumped on the train. We're trying to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're trying to go. And I was like, oh, why? I don't have to take care of that today. And I know there's the full moon today and there's well, the, summer, this, uh, the this winter solstice. Winter solstice so there's like the gateway and everything. So I know that there's a little bit of agitation in me that's arising. For, so for, I had to be, me, and that being for, aware of that. For me, is a point of reference. Yeah. You know, I, I did, I spent about 30 years as a policy analyst and a researcher mm-hmm. for a private environmental firm. And we did a lot of work with First Asian communities. Yeah. And I remember early on, uh, gosh, I started back when I was in high school. Mm. In high school, right? And back then, I didn't understand uh, the politics as well as they do now, <laughs> or the reality, yeah, or the realities yeah. of of actual um, the relevance of timing of communication, or just what is actually important to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was getting emails from uh, government minister right. offices. And right away, my brain goes, oh, my God, this is, like, government official, like, whatever. We need to respond to this. My boss goes, no, we don't. I was like, but why? You know, this is, like, government. This is, like, the authority. It's like, yeah, but they're not the community. And especially with working First Nations, community knowledge, First Nation traditional knowledge is theirs and theirs alone. Mm. And the government has no right to it. Industry has no right to it. They can share it with industry and government. But nobody has a right to it except for the community. Hmm. So that was a huge learning lesson. Of like, not no. It's like you don't need to respond to government. You don't need. Yeah, you don't even need to respond. Well, isn't that interesting? Because all our lives, right, we are taught to respond to authority. Like, think about our parents, right? Like, our parents are telling us to do something. If yep. we don't do it right away, what usually happens? Well, they get angry or they get annoyed or you know they don't talk to us. Like, I had to learn how to talk to my kids and say. Because I did it too when they were little, and then yep. I kind of grew out of that. Because I'm like, I I'm tired of creating the conflict because I was creating it, where I would ask my son, "Hey, I need you to take the garbage out," for example. But he was playing a video game. Mm-hmm. Well, if anybody who has a son knows who play video games, they are they're focused on something yeah. else. They are not. They probably don't hear you at all because yep. they're on a different zoned wavelength. Out. No, especially they're if you're wearing headphones. Out. Or so whatever, yeah. I would have I would take it upon myself to make sure. That after a few times where this conflict, I'm like, well, why is there always this conflict that he doesn't hear me, he doesn't yep. listen, he yep. doesn't do it? And I'm like, yep. hold on, am I really catching his attention? He's a, his attention's focused on something else. So me yelling it from the kitchen isn't helping, and he doesn't hear it. Yeah. So what I did was I would say, when you can pause it, I need to talk to you. And then he mm-hmm. would come and yep. do it. Yep. And as a parent, I, it made me learn how to step back and go, okay, my child does not owe me that they have to do that chore right when I ask them to. As long as they get it done and we talk about it. And then if, let's say, they don't do it, okay, that's a different issue. But I, they don't really owe that to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. we need to work together. Yeah. And I learned how to work with them. But, we, you know, when you're talking about authority, I think authority and discipline go together. Because then we go to school and there's teachers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? We've got teachers we have to listen to. There's we, rules we live, at school. We live in a society, society where we're conditioned to give our authority, authority or power away to external pa- yeah. authority. And if that authority, yep. whatever it is, tells us that they want something... We feel like we have to give it to them. That we're obligated. That we're obligated. Yeah. Right then and there to do but it. That's just the way the world is. Yeah. Except that is not the way the world is. Mm-hmm. And when, when we're talking about 
so you know that's that's a a work related personal experience. Um, I've been recently sharing like my revelations about how different I realize I am because I'm missing fingertips on one hand that I yeah, lost when I, was a, about that a lot. when I was a year old and my asthma and the kids. Yeah. And it's just like, the more, more I talk to you guys, the more I re- like watching the kids go through stuff and I'm just like, I don't get it. Right. Mm-hmm. Because again, like at that age, it's like I was spending like literally almost, um, 15, the first 15 years of my life mm-hmm. in, in constant pain. Right. And when it gets cold, my fingers crack, like they hurt. And I'm just so used to the constant pain. I'm so used to dealing with pain and the trigger of pain, like mm-hmm. pain being a trigger, yeah. emotional, mental triggers. Um, like when I was a kid and I'd bang my fingers, like anything that I was angry about, <laughs> that just, it would just come out. I'd have like, yeah. I'd be like, that was, well, that was your trigger, right? That was my trigger. You, you probably in some ways were suppressing and then that trigger would yep. be like, bah! yeah, there's, there's, there's no, had oh, no the, the pain, the pain, like the, out, no, right? no, there are yeah. a couple times where, where my brother came over to, to, uh, check to see if I, you know, cause I'm like, you know, writhing on the ground in pain, like mm. holding my fingers. And he came over to, to check on me to make sure if I was okay. And unfortunately it was just like, you know, one, one of those moments where mm-hmm. I was, I was already mad at him about something <laughs> stupid. Yeah. You know, the way kids, so get, then, yeah. you know, so it just came out and yeah. they wouldn't talk to me for a couple of days and he was mad at me and this is like, and then I went and I'd see like the cause and consequence, mm. right? Not having the discipline to hold in my anger because my anger had nothing to do with him and had to do with the way I was looking at the situation and, I, and I'd apologize, mm. you know, and I, I got used to apologizing as a kid mm. for outbursts like that and instead of like letting Mm-hmm. My anger come out. I would say I just hit my fingers. I can't talk. Mm. You know, and changing the script, changing wow. how I would I respond. Such a young age. Cause, yeah, cause, yeah. I know I wasn't like that at at your age. <laughs> at that age, because I did not understand. I would always ask myself, "Well, why do I act this way?" And it took me a lot longer because of other things that happened to actually start saying, "I want to change my behavior. I want to not." do this because I can remember you know with my sister that we'd fight all the time or if I wasn't if you know I was like well I want to play this my way because I think this is the best thing and when people didn't do that I could very often be nasty especially to my sister friends not so much with school I mean I can remember oh, I my, friends, my, 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 my well, I actually yeah. that's not true I had friends my mom would tell me too that I had friends I had one that we used to argue like cats and dogs and then we'd be like best friends and like all lovey-dovey and yeah we just yeah yeah the the, the perspective like again like that's like one Mm -hmm. of the things perspective on on discipline and and allowance um -hmm. you know and also like with asthma that that you know tried to kill me at least once a year twice a year where i'd wake up in the hospital and you know as a kid when you're like you know six and seven and Mm -hmm. you just realize you almost died and you know waking up the next morning in the hospital and and going home and yeah. you know like everything is so much sweeter like the, the simple things mm-hmm. in, in life are so much sweeter so it was mm. it's always i always found it confusing when you know i got older in in my 20s and people are always like oh enjoy the simple things going, well i do mm. i do and it's like oh well, yeah but like you haven't learned i'm going no no i have i really have yeah, yeah. and and people wouldn't get it and then it's like but to me like growing yeah. up with the asthma and the pain it, it was normal and I didn't, I didn't understand the contrast and how different that is for a lot of people. 
Yeah, because I know when I was a kid, I think I was hurting. And when you hurt and you don't feel like you can express yourself, for me, that's how it would come out. It would come out in the way I treated people. Yep. And I didn't really make that core. You don't really make that correlation, at least in my experience as a child, unless someone sits with you and says, hey, like, are you okay? Like, is there something? Because that's what I always did with my kids. Like, as they got older and the more aware I became as a mom, as an adult, then it was like, well, okay, let's sit down and talk about it because mm-hmm. you're not really upset about this because mm-hmm. you came home and you were already, so is there something at school yeah, yeah, or whatever? Yeah, yeah. But I know when I was a kid, I really didn't talk about how I felt. And I don't think, you know, in certain situations, especially with one of my sisters where we we were both hurting. Yeah, yeah. And I think that we were just like, well, I'm hurting, so I want you to hurt. But we didn't really look at each other and go, oh, wait, you're hurting too. Right. Right? Like, we didn't have yeah, that. Yeah, I, yeah, I know yeah, I did yeah, it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, when we were kids, that we had that awareness that, oh, we're hurting, and that's why we keep hurting each other, and we just, like, cycle it around and around. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens a lot with relationships too. If oh, you're sure, not aware no of it, right? If there's no communication, because yeah. you just get angry, and you throw it at that e- person, even, they throw it at if, you, and even if one person wants to communicate, Mm-hmm. Even if one person wants to communicate and is doing the work, it, it, it you really like in a relationship, mm-hmm. you really have to have both people wanting yeah. to communicate, both people willing to be open, willing to be vulnerable, uh, yeah. having the courage to actually look at and accept uh, that they could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. Which is a huge thing because that's true. With, yeah, because people like to control their lives, mm-hmm. the, and it takes discipline. It actually takes courage and discipline to look at ourselves to actually allow ourselves to be vulnerable with ourselves never mind with someone else well and it sucks i mean it sucked (laughs) when i looked at my behavior and i went i that's gross (laughs) like and i can remember thinking i really don't like the way i'm acting i really don't like the way and i i really didn't know what to do because it's it's not that you're not a nice person in other aspects when you're happy (laughs) Right. And when things are okay, it's how you act when you're triggered. And I think that's, is really tough for people to look at. It was Mm -hmm. really tough for me to look at because I felt ashamed then. Mm -hmm. And then you have to stop. You really do have to discipline yourself to not blame yourself Mm -hmm. because you didn't know, Mm -hmm. because you didn't know that you had a choice to act differently in that situation. You just knew that you were angry or, I mean, especially as kids, you know that you're angry and you're just like, well, I'm just angry. So I'm just going to be angry. And I think you carry those, those patterns forward in your life. And then other situations keep triggering you until you finally decide that you're going to change it. If you want to, I mean, for me, I always wanted to figure out how to change it. And the thing, the thing about, um, projecting and, and emotions is that the extreme emotions give us a sense of power. Even mm, even yeah. the negative emotions like sadness and grief, yeah, because they're so intense. Our ego and our mm-hmm. shadow thrive off of that intensity of emotional energy, yeah, and they can give us a sense of power and validation. So people love to stay in that space, and they'll also use it and project that at other people, yeah, where you can't possibly understand. So I'm not going to be vulnerable with you. I can deal with my stuff. But there's no way that you can actually deal with it because you're not as strong as me. You mm. can't actually listen. You haven't done the work. You haven't done this. You haven't done that for me or yeah. whatever. Or and people like anger too. People like anger and they use it as their identity. Yeah. 
But well, and they use it as a as an authority. Yeah. I'm angry at this or you or whatever the situation. And I'm going to take it out on you. And I'm going to take it out on you because I feel entitled. And I'm going to use that to control you. Yes, being controlled by other people's anger is yeah. is hard. Yeah. Not not just anger, but sadness and grief. Yeah. Because people want something and mm-hmm. they don't know how to get it. They don't know how to have that communication. So they control themselves. They shut down. And to further control themselves, they start controlling the other people around them by not communicating. Right. Which basically just feeds yeah. the, the inability to communicate all around and there's no space to communicate. Yeah. And no there's sp- people, too, that I've tried to talk to, you know, from my childhood and, and other, you know, other... Years in my life, you know, and it's hard because sometimes because people, they don't, it's hard for them to accept that they're different, like that you're different. And it's hard. It was always very hard for me because I always, as I was changing, I wanted people to accept that I was changing. I wanted them to see it. And I spent so much time trying to get them to see it. And you know, part of a conversation that I was having with, well, I've had it with you, but I've also had it with some other people too, is that is just to allow other people not to like me. And that was hard to look at those situations and say, wow, I've, I have tried what I know how to do and I don't know what else I can do. I don't know that there's anything else like that I can say Mm -hmm. to change how Mm -hmm. someone looks at me or sees me or perceives me. I need to allow them to not like me. Which is about giving up control. Yeah. Right. Right? Because I had to give up that discipline of self vulnerability. Yeah. And I did not like it. I know (laughs) it's it's hard. hard. It is absolutely hard. Like at first it's it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal, like letting go of that control of, of. Well, because you don't really have that control anyway. Exactly. You're trying so hard exactly. to get someone to like you, but they will decide how they feel. Yeah. You, you have no control over that and, and allowing that. And, but then there was also the other side of the coin where there were certain things that I was encouraged to look at to say, well, you know, maybe you also, I also needed to accept that. Did I like that person or did i like their behavior yep. and also give myself permission to say you know i didn't really like their behavior either and that's okay too like yep. you know on the other side and to just sit with it because sometimes it's so hard to sit with those uncomfortable emotions because it's so much better if we can just be all happy and pretend and, that everything's and not, fine. And avoid looking at and stuff. And avoid looking at which it. Which is a form of control. Yeah. And, and I was people like, oh, will use that type no. of avoidance to control their lives and to control themselves. Yeah. And not actually uh, engage with someone who actually really wants to communicate with them. Mm-hmm. And they'll pretend that they're communicating. They'll, they'll, they'll believe that they're communicating because they're communicating to their limit. Right. right, or from, or just from the space they're in. Yeah, from the space. Yeah, exactly. it doesn't mean yeah. that they can't grow more. It's nope. where you know, like I was, we were talking about another podcast, or that everyone grows at their own yeah. own rate. Yeah, and you know, when it comes to the, the, the difference between discipline and, and control, um, discipline is about allowing. Mm-hmm is about allowing yourself to feel whatever you need to feel no matter what. 
no matter what's going on inside of you or what's going on in the world outside of you, no matter what's going on with the person that, that you are around or in the relationship that you're in or at work or mm-hmm. whatever, to allow yourself to feel no matter what and to not judge yourself, to not be afraid of what you feel and to step yes. back into observation of what you feel no matter what and to have the discipline to hold that line, to hold that space for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because when you hold that space for yourself and you just allow, that gives up control. That begins to erode the patterns of control and denial and lack of emotional responsibility. Because control is actually basically lack of emotional responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a form of avoidance. Yeah. And I know for myself, I used to control my world by, by working out, by training, by meditating, by having my world in a very specific order. Mm. And the irony is that like everything in my life has caused me to <laughs> for basically force me to undo all of that attachment to how I want my life to be or like the control mm-hmm. projecting outward, like how you know my ideal life would be or whatever. You know, I abandoned that years ago. And I realized that a lot of the self-denial and the avoidance that I had was tied into that control, Yeah, was tied into the ego validation. I mean, uh, the marriage that I had was very short-lived. Uh, the relationship was a constant up and down, uh, upward and downward spirals, and it, and it was patterns, like six, every six months, mm-hmm. like clockwork. And, yeah. I, and I knew that, but my patterns of control and wanting my life to look a certain way or to be happy a certain way or something kept me in avoidance of accepting or to fit in with other people's ideals of what your life should be oh yeah i mean my family wanted me to get like married and have kids and etc etc and i've honestly never felt a desire for that i just did it because that's that was my family And I wanted to be i wanted to be accepted because i've been like the black sheep in my family Mm -hmm. like my entire life and Part of me was tired. Part of me was tired yeah. of it because it's ju- it's just constant work having to be around people who have never paid attention or don't care to pay attention or communicate with you about anything related to your life unless it fits into their limited perception of reality. Mm-hmm. Well, I often think like with friends and family, we we feel like they should think or feel that the things that are important to us are important to them. And that's not always true. And I think we get hurt or we allow ourselves to be hurt when they, when they don't, but it actually just speaks to where they're at Mm -hmm. that maybe they just don't have the space to actually worry about anything in your life. And we don't need to take it personally because that's another thing too, is we take everybody's actions so personally. Yes. Like we, everyone, what something, someone else does, we take it so personally. And I always remind myself all the time that what someone else does, I have no idea what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that because I've been on the receiving end of that, like when I went through my divorce, people didn't understand like what it was like to actually go through a divorce and what it was like to have a custody agreement and to honor that with someone else mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, to discuss mm-hmm, other mm-hmm. things and especially because you're going through a divorce it's not because you can get along like for us right yeah. like in our case it wasn't like we really you know now we've worked on it over the years that we haven't been together but it's been a real process mm-hmm. and i'm not sure that we ever could have learned to communicate the way that we have now 
if we were still married because we were just locked in this like yeah. thing. And there's a lot of things that I didn't find out about him or about his thoughts or about things until after we were divorced because then he felt safe. And then I also felt safe later to talk to yeah. him about those things. Right. And so I think that people always go, oh, the divorce is so terrible and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not. Yeah. It's not easy, especially. But I think that in the long run, I know my children are a lot happier because we've learned how to be. And there's a lot that they went through, but there's a lot of things that people don't know that my kids, what my kids went through. And maybe they'll, we'll talk about it on a podcast sometime. I'm not going to talk on their behalf. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that I went through that people don't know either. And I didn't feel always safe to talk to people, but people also didn't ask and people made assumptions about my life. So they made assumptions and then they had expectations of me that I didn't fulfill. And then everybody's upset and angry. And I had to learn how to just let that be because I couldn't explain it to them Yeah. either. Well, or they didn't want to listen at a certain point. They're like, well, why didn't you tell us that a long time ago? But I'm like, well, were you, you in the ready. space to, to you hear ready. it? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe also I wasn't in a space to mm -hmm. talk about it. Yeah. There was a, quite a few years where I felt like I was just trying to keep my head above water. Yeah. Like try to keep all, like not only myself, but my kids from like going under. And that's where I put my energy. That's where I put my time. And that's what I chose to do. And if people take that personally, because I wasn't overly involved in their life, well, I'm sorry for that. But I'm also not sorry for that because I yeah. felt like that's where I had to be. That was more important to me to be there for my kids mm -hmm. and what everyone was going through. And if my actions or inactions or something hurt people, well, I need them to tell me what it is they feel hurt about. As I can't do anything well, about and, and their, you know. And, and a, lot of, a lot of people have, have trouble communicating that because that means that they have to admit something's wrong. And when they spend so yeah. much time controlling their lives to get, have this image or this certain type of life or lifestyle, they have a really hard time accepting that it's okay to not be okay and actually communicate that with someone. Mm -hmm. And yeah, a lot of times people aren't ready to hear stuff or uh, yeah, like myself, I mean, being, being able to share with people, like I'm pretty much an open book mm -hmm. if someone actually really wants to talk. Right. But that's the thing. I have to, I have to know and understand and a person basically has to prove to me that they have the courage to actually understand how to communicate mm -hmm. and not make everything conditional and not make everything about themselves and not turn it into um, an ego validation fest. Mm, but not yeah. a lot of people understand that. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's like unspoken conditions. Yep. Right? And when we taught our workshop on Heart Alchemy. Heart Alchemy. <laughs> for, yeah, yeah, Which yeah. we did. It was really fun. Yeah, it was... Yeah. It was, yeah, it was the, some basic concepts of... Just understanding the difference between control yeah. and understanding the difference between control and discipline, right? Everyone pretty much operates in control, in control mode, emotional conditional control, yeah. projecting outward their conditions, uh, spoken and unspoken, yeah. without telling anyone, and sometimes being completely unconscious of their expectations and their assumptions of how life is or how someone is or how they should be 
you know, because they, they haven't ever looked at it, they haven't ever given themselves an opportunity to look inward and understand how and why they are the way they are. Yeah. Which, you know, is basically like the first real step. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you have, uh, you know, a life event that triggers self-reflection. People go, oh, my God, you know. And, you know, there's a lot of that going on right now. <laughs> life events. Life event, big yeah. global events. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize that, that they're in control mode. In control mode mm-hmm. is basically survival mode. Survival mode is basically fight or flight or freeze. Mm-hmm. And it's the basic reptilian emotional defense mechanisms of am I going to fight? Am I going to like respond, blow up? Or am I going to like freeze and just mm-hmm. accept whatever? Am I going to just going to, you know, uh, run away? Yeah. And people can run away right in front of you. Right. Yeah. And you've had that happen. Yeah. And I've had that happen. Mm-hmm. People can run away inside. They can run away emotionally. They can run mm-hmm. away mentally. They can literally like uh, disappear and they seem like they're right in front. They're physically right in front of you, but you know that they're not that there. They vacated. Yeah. They, they vacated. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I have had that happen to me, you know, where I try and get real with people and communicate. And then like, a, you know, it's like, and it doesn't work out. And then a couple months later, I try and broach the subject again and I'm talking to the person and I realize, oh, wait, no, they've totally emotionally blocked that memory. Mm. They don't remember that we've actually talked about stuff. Yeah, I've had and, that happen too where and, people are like, what? What do you mean this has happened before? And they don't have no clue that there's a pattern to their behavior, yeah. but it's because they dissociate from it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is a form of control. And this is, there are lots mm. of unconscious emotional defense mechanisms that people are generally not aware of because they've never looked at their themselves, mm-hmm. their patterns of behavior and how it affects things. And again, like going back to what I started talking about in terms of, uh, you know, the growing up with the pain in my fingers or my yeah. asthma. And I mean, there, there are times where like after an asthma attack and I'd spent, you know, a day at home or whatever, uh, and like just going, just going back to school and seeing people was you know, I was just so grateful to be alive. I was just so grateful just to go to school. Mm, yeah. You know, and you know, I remember there were a couple of times where I'd, I'd, I, as a kid, I'd almost lose my, my mind, my marbles at school. Like I just wanted to cry. I was so happy to just to see my friends. Hmm. You know, I'm just going, yeah, I just like, I don't care what you're talking about. I'm just like, this <laughs> yeah. is, I'm like, yeah, or like even being in school, like like that, like was so different. It's like I stopped um, hating school because mm-hmm. there was no point to hate it. It was like this is where all my friends are, right? Right. And after like you know waking up after a couple episodes in in the hospital, I was just like I was just like so happy to be back at school, like to do something normal mm. and something so intense as almost dying. Right. You know? And that's sometimes I think, especially at a young age, people don't have that experience. I mean, I sort of did, but I sh- I chose to shut down mm. actually, whereas you chose to open up. Mm-hmm. I think that's at least how when you talk about it, I feel like that because you you are more open to actually just accepting yeah. that there are things that you couldn't control. And I right, think yeah, what I did yeah. was when I felt like I couldn't control. Because it was when I was 12 and I was being forced to do something by a gymnastics coach. And I'd already had an experience where he had lied to my parents. 
And right. so I felt like, okay, I, I don't feel like I can talk to him about this. Mm-hmm. But I knew, like, it was beyond a shadow of a doubt. It wasn't even just like, oh, I'm afraid. I was this, afraid for my yeah, life right. because he was pushing me to do something that I knew I could either die or break my neck. Right. And it terrified me. Mm-hmm. And I was so terrified that I shut down. Right. And I mean, then what happened was I gave myself appendicitis. Mm. Like, And I say I gave myself that because I think I had already had all these anxieties. I'd had stomach aches like a lot in my life. Mm. I'd already been to the hospital once and it. I used to have these appendicitis attacks that would come and go. And that particular time, the surgeon said, you know what, that's enough. She's had this a lot. We're taking it out. And it was actually ready to burst by the time... Like they mm-hmm, had operated mm-hmm. and everything. Mm. But I know that experience, I remember, and even my mom will say, that I came home a different person. And it took me years to actually connect the dots and to say, right, that experience changed me, but not for the better. I didn't right. have an appre- I, I Like when I hear you talk about your fingers and how, or even your asthma attacks and how you had this experience that changed you where you enjoyed the simple things you enjoyed being with your friends that you could do something normal i was completely the opposite i did not have that appreciation i did not remain open and go wow i am so grateful to be Mm. alive i was very fearful because i was i wanted to go back to the gym but i was very fearful of like this person well, that, and then that, what would, that would happen that would be hard, and it was terrifying yeah. like and then you know my gymnastics career never went as far as it could because that fear then caught got compounded by other things mm-hmm. and then every time i'd feel afraid it would just pile and pile and pile and pile on top and yeah. it took me years until i went you know what i don't like who i am i don't like the way i had to accept that i didn't like the way i was and that i didn't like the way that i acted and that's really what you know, what I, when I was in my 20s, that I finally had, well, actually, it's it was interesting now that we're talking about it, is that I had an experience where I thought I had a tumor. Right. And that was the catalyst for me to go, I don't like my job. I don't like my life. I'm not happy. We, we have events I, that, that come So along. I had another yeah. event, which was probably, well, it was, it was more than 10 years later maybe 15, between 10 and 15 years later, that, yeah, it was, yeah, actually 15 years. And it was that, that event where I thought, oh my gosh, I could lose my life again. That started to open me back up to understand. And then it took me, you know, a little more, you know, healing work to actually connect, well, to go back and go, wow, yeah, that event when I was 12, 13, really affected me and I shut down and I had no appreciation for people in my life I didn't have appreciation for I didn't it, really it, have it, appreciation it can be, it can for be challenging I mean I until I, till I had another awakening yeah I mean for me like having those uh experiences when I was a kid when I was so so young where I didn't I mean I was very lucky that I had very supportive um you know mom and dad and my brother and you know, my best friends were, were, were really, really supportive. And, yeah, I guess I was, uh, I don't know, stubborn. I didn't want to live in fear. 
I do. I well, do want you know. That's actually why when I got into my twenties, I well, that's why I pushed myself through everything is because I didn't want to live in fear either. Yeah. But I refused to feel it. That's right. the thing. I refused to feel. I pretended that I didn't feel anything because having that thing happen where I was so terrified, so absolutely terrified. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. At, at 12 years old, that yeah. I could die yeah. because somebody yeah. else, someone in authority, you know, I was yeah. afraid of being yeah, yeah, yeah. disciplined. Something external, so you had to put up that wall. I put up that wall to, to, yeah. for the external influence. See, for me, it's like my fingers, my asthma, it was all me. It's like it, it mm-hmm. was had nothing to do with anybody else. My asthma would happen based on whether or not, like, especially when it was cold out. Mm-hmm. Or like living out in the country, like when they're harvesting or when they're burning. So it was sort of like about three opportunities every year to end up in the hospital. Mm. And my fingers too, right? It's like that was totally me. I had to be responsible for protecting my fingers and keeping my 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 body safe, like keeping like always knowing where my fingers are at all times. And it was every single time I slipped with that discipline of awareness where I stopped paying attention to my physical surroundings mm. that I would almost instantly smash my fingers on something or even lightly scrape them or whatever. And it would, it would be agonizing. I mean, I, I, I couldn't count on my fingers and toes a number of times where the pain just like dropped me to my knees and mm. I just like, you know, I cried because it hurt so much. And that was totally on me. So I had to be so conscious and so aware and like if someone else bumped into me, mm-hmm. I couldn't blame them, right? Because I wasn't paying attention, right? Okay, right. Yeah. So I couldn't blame somebody else. Mm. And yeah, I mean, yeah. Sometimes people were were every once in a while. I had you know like before I learned how to box and grip. You know, I had a couple of bullies who like pinned me down and threatened to like smash my fingers. Hmm. Right, that's, I'm going. Yeah. yeah, that's scary. That is, yeah, that's, that's scary. scary. So that got you know that got me angry and you know into the conversation you know where my grandpa taught me how to box between grade five and six. Yeah, and um, because most of the time people, if they bump your fingers, they're not doing it on purpose. No. They wouldn't know what kind of pain you're no. in. Like right, like that's the thing. I think we we walk around and we don't know. We do not know what kind of pain someone else is in. Exactly. Like, you and I, it's not that we're in pain per se, but the healing work that we have to do, unless we're communicating about it, there are experiences that you've had, because I haven't known you your whole life, right. that we need to talk about that, yep. and I need to learn about that, and we talk about, because otherwise, I don't know what you're still well, working and, through, and, honestly, and you don't know what yep. I'm working through until we, I mean, intuitively, sometimes we can... Empathically. Yeah, 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 yeah. However, and again, like in, until I actually started talking about my fingers and my asthma with you and the kids, I, I really didn't understand how different it had made me, like yeah. so early in my life. Um, because again, like watching uh, you and or the kids go through stuff, it's like I get it, I get what they're going through, but like for me, there's like a blank in terms of like what be like I couldn't relate to being a teenager, mm. the way they're they're having to be a teenager. Because I already had so much discipline with my mental and emotional yeah. states. When you learn how to box, so you learn how to stand up for yourself. So yep. I know with some of the bullying that one of our my daughter yep. went through, yep. like she didn't know how to handle that, right? Yeah. She, right. So she's had well, to learn how to. Well, one of the things, one of the things my grandpa did is like he he would he would test my brother and I. He would show okay, this is what a real punch feels like. 
<laughs> Sorry, that's <laughs> right. You know, I'm a big, big Irish gran- grandfather. Grandfather punches you. <laughs> and I mean, and like, it's I, not funny, but I know it's just like, and it's like he wouldn't. Yeah. He, he'd he'd practice yeah. and he'd do like soft punches, yeah. and then okay, I'm gonna hit you harder. Mm. Oh, okay, you know, like tiny. I'm, I was tiny in grade five, so it was it was very daunting and a little scary. And you know, yeah, he made he made my brother and I cry a few times because he was teaching us like, well, you know, my mom was like, oh, what's going on? It's like, well, it's like you know, and my grandpa explained, and she's like, oh, okay, and she like make sure that we're okay. Like we're like we got it, we got it right. But it's like having that kind of experience is like I'm in grade five, right? My grandpa's teaching me how to box, yeah, and he's actually showing me how to deal with that pain, that fear of getting hit. Well, and not yeah, not to be afraid of it because I yep. think. We're afraid of not only physical pain, but people are afraid of emotional pain. So we're afraid of our feelings. Yep. We're afraid to feel what we feel if we don't know how to process them or have anyone to talk about them. You know, I know when I was terrified with that one gymnastics thing, like, yeah. that affected me so much. That and, and at that time, I had no idea how much it affected me. Yeah, yeah. I was told for years and years by my family that, well, you know, after your surgery, like, you changed. And I was like, yeah, I did. But I didn't know why. I didn't know what. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get it. I just, I can actually still remember the day I came home from the hospital and walk into my bedroom and I just felt like a stranger in my house. Mm. Like I felt like a stranger in my room. Yeah, right. And I felt like a different person. And and then yeah. everybody all my life yeah. was like, oh, well, you know, you change. I'm like, well, I did. But I, and I, I didn't really... Because I then had the surgery, I think I kind of blocked out the other part of it, the sure. terror, yeah, yeah. because that was really what I didn't want to feel, and then I didn't want to talk about it. And the most common response to that is to just lock down and yep. into control. Yeah. This guy, control like, we're, we're talking about this and like bringing up memories of like my grandpa basically boxing. Like hitting my breath, like we had gear, we had like helmets, padded helmets, and, and mouth guards, and everything. And uh, my grandpa basically hit my brother and I, you know, in the head a few times so that we get used to feeling what an actual, like, well, he didn't hit us like as hard as he could. <laughs> he didn't knock we you kids. out or anything. But he, but he, he to, sent, yeah, he sent to, us spinning a couple of times interesting. to feel yeah. so that we could feel. It's like, okay, so what are you doing? Are you scared right now? I was like, yes. Like, that was scary. It's like, well, yeah, that's what it's going to feel like. So you need to, like, look, you know, like, you need to make sure that you can control that hmm. so that you don't lose your your gumption in the middle of a fight. I'm going, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, because he was teaching you how to defend yourself. And I think yep. a lot of martial arts and a lot of, you know, disciplines like that, they teach you how to. Because I know when my son did Taekwondo, right, like, and they spar, and they practice sparring on each other, even though they have gear on, it's still, when you go into a tournament and someone kicks you in the ribs, even though you've got your, your gear on, yep. it still hurts, yep. still stings, yep. right? Or you yep. kick someone and you hurt your foot because you kicked them wrong, mm-hmm. you know, the wrong angle or something. Mm-hmm. But that's part of it is learning to be okay with, if you're going to do something like that, learning to be okay with... When I was, with, I mean, because I, I had to deal with my fingers, my asthma, I was, I was a lot more capable of dealing with the fear than my brother was mm. and and feeling hurt and feeling pain and feeling scared was something that I mean was so 
like every day. I was day. not okay with those things. I it can honestly like, say that. Well, I, I know. Like, it is. Like, <laughs> it's not. I can't yeah. say that I was okay, but I was okay not being okay. Yeah. Right? And I think that's where my control issues stemmed from is that I did not feel okay not being okay. And I know that the older I got, like especially my 20s and when I got married, there were things that would trigger me. And I thought, well, if I can just control this, if I can just take charge of that, if I can do this, I will feel okay. And it's actually learning the kind of the opposite where, all right, you need to feel okay with not feeling okay. You don't have to like the situation, but trying to control it or control the person yeah. isn't helping. See, and, and for me, what happened, the way my ego, my shadow turned that against me by being so okay with not being okay about like so much, yeah. so much different, so many different kinds of pain is that I got into caretaking modes with certain patterns in my life. Yeah. Taking care of certain people, taking care of my ex-wife, taking care of things and just being okay with it mm-hmm. and not stopping myself, not not identifying that this caretaking pattern was actually undermining my own happiness. Your, yeah. And your ability so to really my, self-care. My ability to discipline myself with being okay and not being okay yeah. was turned against me by just being able to accept whatever was happening and to just deal with it instead of actually stopping myself and asking whether or not this is what I really wanted. Mm-hmm. So I had so you know, you know, I helped take care of my mom after she had a bad car accident and I'm taking care of my dad now after a bad car accident. So one of the things that's going on is I'm flipping the script in terms of not exactly just healthy boundaries, but uh, healthy communication and expression and healthy energy within mm-hmm. a role that's supportive and mutually beneficial right. for both my dad and I mm-hmm. and not being caretaking. Because there, there are times where it's just like, I will just flat out go, no, dad, that's like, you're making it too complicated. It's like, nope, yeah. I don't have the energy for that today. It's like, nope. Um, well, it's a conversation. It's then. a conversation. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Where you're not sacrificing yourself mm-hmm. for a job that you're doing. That's right. Which is what a lot of us do. We sacrifice ourselves for other people, relationships, jobs, what what have you, volunteering even, you can do that because we want to be a good person and we sacrifice ourselves instead of stopping and, you know, we're acting out of a space that's not healthy for us. Like I know there's a lot of good things about myself too that I've turned against myself as well because your ego mind can take anything, even something that's good for you and it'll turn it. Anything and everything twisted. And that's really where discipline, the discipline of stopping yourself comes in, I think. Yeah. And going, hey, I'm, I'm actually following a pattern here. Even though this is supposed to be good, it's... Yeah, no. yeah. It's again being it, stepping back into observation, letting yourself feel twisted. I know, and and this is why actually having a physical discipline is so important because with physical discipline you get a baseline, so many points of reference of what your body feels like doing the same thing over and over and over again. You then begin to understand when you are out of balance, when you're out of whack, when you're tense, when your mind is overactive, when that's putting pressure on your body physically Mm -hmm. mentally emotionally they all tie in together and you can become aware of when you are allowing yourself to discern and observe and listen versus control Mm -hmm. avoid and deny 
what you're feeling and how you're feeling it and why you're feeling it and what you're doing about it. And this is the big difference between control and discipline because control in this context, specifically that we're talking about, is about avoidance, denial, and basic self-sabotage mm-hmm. of not letting yourself feel, not letting yourself uh, be aware of why you're doing something, what that's doing to your to your mental, emotional, and physical states versus discipline where you are allowing, you're observing, you're discerning, and you are listening to everything mm-hmm. that you're feeling and that's around you so that you can observe and understand and not just analyze and come to a controlled mm-hmm. ideal situation right because every situation is technically ideal it's just whether or not you look at it as the learning experience that it is or not right. and that's one of the ways that you can give up control and allow yourself to have the discipline of observation or, yeah like because it's a situation that's right if you look at everything as this is a situation how do I want to handle this situation rather than reacting to the situation? We either can choose to, I mean, you, you may be triggered, but you can choose to continue to suffer or yep. you can choose to not put yourself in that space. Exactly. Right? It exactly. does, it does eventually become a choice. I do feel that because I work so long and I thought, well, when is this anxiety? Like, when is this worry? Like, when does this become? And really when you, when I started to feel how, it was just a program. Like even today, it, I wouldn't feel anxious today or frantic, but it was like, oh, you, sh- you should take care of this. You should really take care of this. And I was like, oh, the little hamster's trying to go. I don't need to take care of this today. This isn't, I don't need to, you know. Yeah. I was it's, like, especially, oh, okay. especially, this is a choice I have. Especially when it comes to communication. Right? Yes. Especially when it comes to communication because people have, we're taught that good people take care of other people. And we often look at yeah, communication. Yeah, the Good Samaritan thing. The Good Samaritan thing, yes. The this, this Western programming especially, although it's very prevalent prevalent in, in uh, Eastern and Asian uh, communities in terms of familial obligation and also being either... Um, I, there's both political and religious uh, Eastern concepts, either Confucianism, Taoism, Buddhism... Um, and also some of the social aspects of some of the countries mm-hmm. where the, that's just the culture. Yeah. Uh, but in, in the Western world, is very, you know, heavily, and I'm not talking about Africa, I'm talking about like, you know, Europe, North America, and South America, primarily, where the whole Christian or, and or Catholic thing of being the Good Samaritan, the concept is of, well, of, of finding, finding, yeah, fi- self-crucifixion and finding God through service to others which generally turns into caretaking and self-crucifixion, as in basically sacrificing yourself for others. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of like the nature of the kind of caretaking that I got stuck in and have had to look at an awful lot in terms of uh, family patterns, uh, relationship patterns, karma, my own personal patterns in terms of how I even caretake my own patterns of denial and or um, drama the way I used to and whether or not they're denied or amplified and how I'd control my awareness to actually be aware mm-hmm. of them or not and whether or not it's actually being disciplined with letting myself see and letting myself feel what I was doing to myself 
Um, and a lot of, like, it really doesn't matter because this is, like, what culture, what country, or what family you're from because the contrast between control and discipline is everywhere. It's really everywhere. And the reality is that we don't give ourselves enough credit of being able to look at something, being able to let go of the control because we often victimize ourselves and deny that we even have that kind of power. And so what we do is we control, control, control to manipulate the reality around us, manipulate the people, events, situations, things to arrive at that quote unquote ideal reality whether it be the, you know, the white picket fence and, you know, the nuclear family and all that, or whether or not it's a outcome of a project or outcome of, you know, a day shopping or something. It's the attachment yeah. to a controlled outcome. Or the, yeah, and the attachment to that, if you don't do what I want, I'm the victim. Yes. Right? That's another If program. you don't act the way that I, I want. I want you to. You've hurt me, and I blame you for that. Exactly. And that's a program. It absolutely is. Absolutely. And this sort of also goes back to communication, especially when there's when there's two people involved, regardless of the size of the group or whatever, when you have two or more people involved and it's a group dynamic, if people are not communicating, if they are omitting information, if they are not, I mean, especially when you're in a relationship and mm-hmm. like I mean, a lot of the stuff that you and I have talked about in terms of our... Yeah our past trauma and wounds that we are working through, have worked through yeah. and stuff like that. And again, it's just like, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talk about is like mental emotional, which is why like when I started talking about my fingers and my asthma, I went, oh, these are physical things that I've experienced that I just got so used to. I didn't realize the dramatic effect that they had on me emotionally and mentally. Well, and that other people don't have that point of reference. Like, unless yeah. you've experienced what you've experienced, like, that's your yep. point of reference for things. Mm-hmm. It took me years later until I could have that point of reference and I could go back. I can even remember in my gymnastics career, going back to that a little bit, is that there was a coach at one point, I think I was 16 years old, and she sat down with me, really nice lady, and actually asked me. But she didn't ask me in the way that I could understand. I get it now. But she asked me because... After that incident where I had my surgery and then I could come back and I could learn the skill and I could take my time slowly to do something Mm -hmm. and I had that opportunity, well, if things got to go too fast or I felt overwhelmed or fearful, I would manifest an injury. And I say manifest because back then I didn't know, I just didn't understand why I would get injured or why, you know, what would happen. She actually suggested to me, but I was 16 didn't get it and she said well do you think you're hurting yourself on purpose oh yeah and she was very kind to me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i was like i don't understand i i really did not understand why would i hurt myself on purpose well i wasn't i wasn't literally going out and throwing myself off balance i wasn't you know slipping off the high bar on purpose or whatever or tripping like it was i was but there is a part of me that was like well if you get injured you'll have time to heal and you'll have time to emotionally process this yep. and then yep. you'll have time we'll to physically give, give myself space to do this. I get that now as an adult. Mm-hmm. When I was a child or a teenager, oh, gosh. I yeah, had yeah, yeah, yeah. no idea that that's what I was doing. But that was my own innate sort of survival mechanism, which 
being older, mm-hmm. I've had to not only heal all of those physical injuries, but all the emotional attachments to those yeah. physical injuries yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. And some of it were exacerbated by pregnancies because I was pregnant five times. Mm-hmm. So then I've had birth injuries. Mm-hmm. So I've had a lot to unravel because I didn't know that's a lot what of, I was that's, doing that's back then. That was control. a lot. Survive all that. It was a lot of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> so now I wish, and I actually tried to look her up on Facebook. I'm like, is oh, she still alive? Because, because she was maybe in her 50s then, and I'm in my, well, oh gosh, I'm almost like 30, 50 now, 30 so it's 30 years yeah, later. I, I don't know, but I couldn't find her. But I would love, and maybe I should just send a prayer to the universe mm-hmm. and say, thank you, because now I understand what she was saying to me, because she was trying to, but very, she understood. She was, And observant. that was back in the 80s mm-hmm. when she said that to me. And I was, I didn't understand, but now I, I do, and I want to thank her for actually noticing and trying to talk to me about it, because I wish I could have been more open to what she was saying back then. But as a 16 or 17 year old, I did not oh get yeah, that yeah, concept yeah. at all. Had she maybe given me a book or something, I might have been able to, but yeah. I really didn't know what she was talking about, not until much, much later. But thank you well, so hind, much hind, yeah, to her. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Right? Hindsight's twenty twenty, and again, it's like you know, it's those things that people will say to you, and then you don't really understand them at the time. And then, as you get older, in your perspective, you know, your brain goes, "Oh, remember this?" And it's just like, "Oh, right." And then that'll trigger all those feelings. And again, like that's where the healing comes in—is like mm-hmm. whether or not we like lock down, shut down, control. To not go through the oh, pain. Oh yeah, of, I tried to realizing. control my environment so much. Yeah, control yeah, what was yeah, happening yeah. around me and. Yeah. And that like, doesn't work. I know, right? <laughs> Eventually, I, I, you fall apart. That's right, and this is one of the reasons why, like, some of the books that I've read on on you know Buddhism, you know Zen, or even uh, you know the Gnostics, like a lot of the mysticism stuff that I've read, is like it made perfect sense to me because as a kid, I had to be present. I had to be so present with my with my surroundings, so I wouldn't bash my fingers, and to listen to my body, so that if I went out, it was dusty out. If there was a high wind, a strong wind, or especially in winter, if it was cold, especially some of the minus 30s that we'd get, like it was super dry cold in mm. winter here, I, you know, I just started wearing a scarf. You know, if I, you know, even if kids bugged me or like said I look silly, I, was, I didn't care because it was either like the scarf or me ending up on the ground hacking, you know, like 30 seconds later scaring all your classmates <laughs> yeah and like almost dying you know there's a couple times where i forgot my scarf at home and i thought i'd be okay and i went outside and you know i practiced breathing through my nose instead of my mouth because that would be one way to keep the uh to warm up the air right it's things you learn as a kid instinctively to protect mm-hmm. you you know protect your throat and of course there are a couple times where no like I you know stopped you know I breathed in through my mouth and super cold air and I'm like I have to stop like basically stop drop and huddle and cover my face and mouth until the air my until my throat warmed up again or stopped Mm -hmm. being irritated so the impact of that like and you know, I, I could say that at, at some, you know, at some point that that turned into control about, you know, controlling my environment or whatnot. But 
it's one of those physical things where it's the, the trigger is like the, the there's just a shock in my system where I couldn't control my mind or my body when my fingers were hit mm. or or like were suddenly hurting or with an asthma attack where I couldn't control my mind or what I was feeling and I have all this rush of feeling uh, and having to learn at a really young age how to let the panic just wash through me when I was having an asthma attack out in the field in the middle of winter and knowing that I'm so far away from a warm environment that I can't I can't do anything except huddle and let the rest of me get cold and just you know let it happen and that there's nothing to control except for my body physically which also caused a lot of tension in my body and anxiety around being out in the cold and being out in winter or being I mean I don't have that now but the reality is that it taught me the difference between control and discipline and that the the emotional and mental impact was of you know being in one state trying to control my body when I had an asthma attack to stop hacking or coughing would often cause it to get worse because my body's physical reaction would be to force the cough Right, and tense. Because intense and, and the tension would get worse. The tension makes it worse, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, and that's also one of the things that I learned about, like, when my fingers would get hit and I would, like, slap, uh, you know, accidentally uh, reach. Like, there would be times where I still reach with my fingertips mm. on my right hand and just completely blank out that they're sore, they're aching, and Ouch. I would, you know, yeah. open a door or something like that and I would turn mm. something wrong scrape them and they'd you know and that's also the thing is that tensing up when that hit it's like i couldn't because it would make the pain worse yeah so you really learned how to relax into it and i think that's maybe another podcast but that's something that my son and i have talked about too is being able to relax into your life Mm -hmm. and that because that's what it sounds like to me where you relaxed into the pain and you're able to let it flow out Instead of going, oh my God, because that's what we usually do is when we feel any pain, we like tense up or we feel any anxiety, anger, and we tense. Like we physically actually have a physical reaction well, to and whatever the, physical or emotional yeah, trigger. Yeah, because right? like when my fingers are, were hit or whatever, my instinct would be to close my hand. But if I do that, if I did that back then when they were so cracking and bleeding, right. that would cause that even hurts. more pain. So yeah. I literally had to like hold my hand out. And just and relax it, relax yeah, my fingers, really, and just yeah. relax my entire arm, and to fight the urge to close my to hand close it, because yeah. it would make the pain worse. So you really were training yourself, like and disciplining yourself to have a different reaction to that pain, whereas most people tense up. You were like, I have I, to relax I, 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 because yeah. if I don't relax, I make it worse. worse yeah. And I know that's with myself when I've learned how to relax more into my life, and know that it's okay to relax into my life, and that. There's just things to take care of. I don't mm-hmm. need to be, mm-hmm. I can ser- I don't need to feel anxious or worried or whatever about certain things or fearful. I don't have to feel that. Yep. I can relax into my life. And I've even had a conversation with Ethan about that where, you know, I said like, it's okay to relax into your life and like, and enjoy 
this experience right now and then and just relax but we have this tendency to want to be tense and we have to go forward or we have to go there and we have to control and yeah yeah yeah. it takes work and and it's safer because those are the patterns we grew up with right and oh for sure and if you don't know that if you don't like for me i wasn't really aware that oh i had grown up like that that i had learned that and you're just repeating it until you actually stop and go oh wait you know, I noticed that this person, that person, this person in my family, they all do that. I yep. do that too. Do I want to yep. continue doing that? Mm-hmm. And that's a tough question to ask yourself is like, do I want to continue doing that? Because mm-hmm. then you got to separate from the back, right? Well, like, you know, and, and for me, it's like one of the things that I realized is like, you know, being around family and being around friends and watching them get tense. And my, my instinct, like after learning, like with my hand, <laughs> few times where I immediately like clench my my fist to protect my fingertips and hurt myself even worse oh, yeah and watching people around me get tense and uptight and stay in that tension and realize especially like when you're on family like family dinners or whatever or disagreements between friends and I'm going why like how how come like how come like why why are these like why is this happening this doesn't make sense can't people just relax and of course now it's just like well no people can't because I, they don't i literally couldn't it and took, oh yeah and it's such a contrast like, like I'm, I'm literally i have a completely different reverse type of programming in terms of people in my family where i was so like i had to do the opposite of what my brain what my instincts told me to like clench yeah. clench and tense and of course what happened then is my ego and my shadow went after different ways caused me emotional tension to try and balance out the fact that I had this 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 other this other skill that you had that other skill yeah, that you yeah, actually could yeah. do that that you didn't have to be mm-hmm. but yeah it'll come after you in different ways it'll come at you in different ways which is why, again why understanding the difference between control and discipline is so important how to relax when you understand how to relax and this is this is like well this is what we teach in Qigong and Bagua is yeah. really like especially with Bagua I was talking to you the other day about training and how relaxing into my bones and like what that Mm -hmm. was feeling like and i was doing circle walking really slowly and it really works all the stabilizers super hard i was really sore after that but it worked really well and i was actually there's a because i i had changed things because i was getting a pain in my knee and i realized oh i'm overusing a certain group of muscles that i don't need to be I, Mm -hmm. i need to be doing it different and I had a point where I was going with that. Well, this um, is the contrast in terms of actually feeling you use your whole legs. Yes, in, versus and versus just like the quads. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. But relaxing, yeah, there, that's where I was going with this, is relaxing into our bones. Mm-hmm. Like when you're doing a horse stance, for example, the way you do it, the structure with which you do it, when you actually do it properly and you can get the right flexibility and the right mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, width mm-hmm, of your legs mm-hmm. and everything, you can relax into the bones and you you could literally hold it for a really long time yep. hours yep. and oh, that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. really what you know the training the is supposed point. to be the whole point later mm-hmm. but yeah but actually relaxing into our body like what was that i was reading a book that actually said that our natural state is supposed to we're supposed to live a life that is relaxed and free mm-hmm. i don't think that's quite the but 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 that that it was relaxed yeah. That's supposed to be our natural state. Yeah. And I wonder how many people can actually raise their hand and go, oh, but that's my natural state. <laughs> because it wasn't, I mean, it's supposed to be, but that's not what we learn. 
from people. We learn that there's supposed to be conflict. Mm-hmm. We learn that there's supposed to be oh, pain. We believe, believe in conflict. And we and believe, believe in, in all of that. Pain and it's and like chaos. Well, and we believe in that so much that we create it for ourselves. And we and we create well, an attachment yeah. to it. That's why and, it's in, sorry, go ahead, finish. And, and and that's why we believe that life can't be anything but. Mm-hmm. And why we we believe so much that like we get so invested in controlling our lives by believing in pain, by being addicted to the pattern, by being emotionally invested so much that it's basically like an addiction that we don't know how to let go of it. So we don't we literally don't think that there can be anything else, right? Yeah. And this, again, like this goes like back to my fingers, back to my asthma. It's like having to relax, having to you know. Um, and this is one of the things where eat, where I learning Bagua really taught me how my ego and my shadow had turned a lot of my patterns against me or a lot of things against me in terms of, yeah, I was able to relax through stuff and I had a completely different instinct in terms of information and other stuff, but there are other avenues in my life where my... Uh, my strengths got turned around against me in terms of like, as I said, just mm-hmm. being able to deal with stuff and accept stuff and not, not pay yeah. attention to the actual emotional mental impact that it was having on me mm-hmm. and not being able to discern that that's what was going on and not to discipline myself to observe that instead of just like letting it roll through me, letting it hit me and not deal with it at all. Yeah. Right. So that's the danger. That's why I like having a physical discipline where you're actually working on the tissues and the fascia and stuff like that, like Bagua and, and Qigong, is so important because it is a completely different level of awareness of the body. That will show you how much tension you have in your body, whether or not you're conscious of your mind or not. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's good. Okay. I think that's good for today. Yeah, that's good for that's today. That's a lot. Okay. Share with us if you want to. That's a lot for everyone to digest and yeah, chew on of. over the holidays. Now you've got something really meaty to work with in that over the next week. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. No matter what you celebrate or where you are, thank you for tuning in, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us today on The Open Door. We enjoyed our discussion and hope you did too. Until next time, we are Kelly and Kelly.